This is your Times Daily World Briefing on Sunday the 13th of February. I'm Sophia Franklin. And I'm Laura Cook. Warnings of swift and severe consequences come from the US president as tensions continue to rise in Ukraine. And tear gas and water cannon are replaced by Barry Manilow tunes in freedom convoy protests in New Zealand. The Times Daily World Briefing. The United States were the first to urge citizens to leave, followed by Britain. Now several countries are appealing for any of their people still in Ukraine to leave immediately for fear of an imminent Russian invasion. As troops remain on the border, President Biden has engaged in an hour-long phone conversation with Russian President Vladimir Putin for the first time since tensions arose. He's warned of swift and severe consequences should any troops step foot into Ukraine in an invasion. The threat of war has prompted anti-Russian protesters to take to the streets of Kiev this weekend. We will stand, we will protect Ukraine forever. We really need to have this mutual ground to say all the words we are ready to fight and resist. Britain's Defence Secretary says it's highly likely Vladimir Putin will order an attack on Ukraine, saying there's a whiff of Munich in the air, referring to the World War II policy of appeasement. Meanwhile, the US Secretary of State is considering evacuating the embassy in Ukraine, but many are adamant they won't leave, including British national Paul Nilland, who's been speaking to Times Radio. This is my home. I've lived here for 19 years and I'm, I'm, I'm not moving on. Um, if I have to join the territorial defence uh, regiments that are, are being created now or have been created in the last few months, then, uh, then that's what I'll do as well. Whilst Western powers are rallying around them, Ukraine's president has urged calm. Vladimir Zelensky says the biggest enemy here is panic. The Sunday Times of London's Middle East correspondent Louise Callahan is still in Kiev and says that most people are carrying on as normal. It is just the strangest contrast. Here, everyone at least until yesterday, was of the opinion that, you know, maybe something would happen, maybe it wouldn't. But at the end of the day, Ukraine's been dealing with, uh, you know, Russian invasion, Russian incursion for the last eight years. That's the Sunday Times of London's Middle East correspondent, Louise Callahan. It's been almost three weeks since truckers from across the nation travelled to Canada's capital to protest vaccine mandates. Causing chaos and ruin, from 4am horn honking to defacing important statues, they're determined not to budge until higher powers overturn a rule that would require any unvaccinated haulage driver to quarantine when entering Canada. The change I think that people would like to see is equality and also being heard. The action has heavily impacted supply chains and distribution lines across North America. After federal government powers only deterred some protesters, police have now stepped in in an attempted raid. Arriving by busload in balaclavas, high-vis jackets and armed with long guns to combat so-called Freedom Convoy members, officers lined Ambassador Bridge in Ottawa 
only to be met by Canadian flags, anti-vaccination slogans and anti-government epithets that dress the remaining 100 vehicles refusing to move. Police officers now stand guard in a stalemate on the bridge which connects Detroit and Windsor. On the way, excitement's mounting for the 56th Super Bowl and how an explorer's cap, which has laid dormant for years, is about to go to auction. The Times Daily World Briefing. As a blockade by truckers in Canada continues, the Freedom Convoy has inspired a number of groups across the globe to stage their own anti-vaccine protests. We heard yesterday how France was expecting a convoy protesting COVID vaccine passes to enter Paris. Despite fierce warnings from police that they would be barred, cars, campervans, tractors and more from across the country drove into central Paris, snarling traffic around the Arc de Triomphe. Once they arrived, police took immediate action. Firing tear gas grenades to disperse protesters, arresting 14 people and handing out 337 tickets by the mid-afternoon. Whilst there's tear gas and riot police in France and armoured vehicles and heavy weapons in Canada, New Zealand is taking rather a different approach to deter protesters. Campaigners camping outside the government's parliament building face no forceful action as yet, but instead hours of Barry Manilow songs, Baby Shark and the Macarena, just to name a few, blaring from the speakers and playing on a loop. The unconventional methods were hoped to drive the protesters away. And although we're not sure what Mr Manilow thinks of this move, it turns out the crowds weren't phased by it. Instead, they chose to sing and dance along and get even too, playing songs such as Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It, right back at the Parliament building. We're now moving away from the vaccine protests, but staying with demonstrative action. That's the sound of Hindu nationalist protesters outside a KFC in the Indian state of Gujarat, They're protesting social media posts made by the Pakistani branch of the chicken chain, which showed support for the disputed Kashmir. Kashmir has long been a flashpoint between India and arch-rival Pakistan, each of which controls only parts of the Himalayan territory, but makes claims to it in full. Other multinational companies have found themselves in the middle of the diplomatic fracas too, including Pizza Hut and Kia Motors and protests have prompted the closure of stores. Shouting slogans and wearing saffron scarves, members of Bagrang Dal, a Hindu nationalist group, also joined the protest in Gujarat, the home state of Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Dwalit Mehta is North Gujarat convener of Bagrang Dal. KFC, Hyundai, Kia, 
The international companies like KFC, Hyundai, Kia, Domino's and Pizza Hut's on 5th of February celebrated Kashmir Day, that is celebrated by Pakistan, and on their official Twitter page they called Kashmir a part of Pakistan, and that they supported alleged straying Kashmiri youngsters who were calling themselves revolutionary and strugglers. So we will not allow companies with such mentality to run in our country. The 5th of February marks Pakistan's Kashmir Solidarity Day, held annually to commemorate the sacrifices of Kashmiris struggling for self-determination. India alleges Pakistan supports an armed insurrection against New Delhi's rule in India-controlled Kashmir that broke out in 1990. Pakistan denies the charge and says it only provides diplomatic and moral support for the Kashmiri people. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. With news on the all-important event in the US, here's Kane Reeves. Super Bowl 56 takes place in Los Angeles tonight with LA Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals at their home stadium. Before this season, the Bengals had not won a playoff game since 1990, with the performances of quarterback Joe Burrows inspiring them to the showpiece event. Burrows had his rookie season ended by an ACL injury in 2020, and former NFL quarterback Warren Moon says his comeback has to be admired. He hasn't even played two full years of football, and here he is with his team in the Super Bowl. And I just love his poise, I love his, uh, his character. And more importantly, I love his confidence and, and his, uh, his toughness. The Bengals haven't won the Super Bowl and are making their first appearance since 1988, their third in total. The Rams are favourites with a star-studded lineup and home advantage. They'll be aiming for their first Super Bowl since 1999. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. What does violence do to human beings? That's the difficult question explored by two Southeast Asian film directors in their competing pieces at this year's Berlin Film Festival. The first, from Indonesian director Kamala Andini, is a painful historical narrative, charting the impact of war on a woman living in a town in Java. Andini wanted to show how Indonesian women hide their problems to save the image of the family in society. The second film chooses fantasy to ask how a world would look in which animals had come to power. Cambodian French director Rithi Pan fled to Khmer Rouge in 1990 to settle in Paris and said he wanted his film to make a world come alive. And finally, a leather flying cap once worn by the pioneering American aviator Amelia Earhart is expected to fetch at least $80,000 at auction after lying in a family's cupboard for more than 90 years. Anthony Twiggs, a 67-year-old retired photographer from Minnesota, inherited the leather cap from his mother after her death 20 years ago and only now has been able to prove her story that Earhart had worn it in 1929. Ellie Brookhart had told her son that as a schoolgirl in 1929, she visited an airport in Cleveland to see Earhart and was handed the leather cap by a boy who had taken a liking to Ellie. He'd claimed he'd picked it up from the floor after Earhart dropped it, while surrounded by a crowd during her fame. Earhart became a global icon after she became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic in 1932. She later disappeared somewhere in the Pacific in 1937, aged 39, while attempting to fly around the world. 
The mystery of her disappearance is unsolved to this day. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Sunday the 13th of February. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.